flavour on Cambridge 105 Radio with The Swoop, Cambridge's exciting new retail taproom. Experience local on Green Street. To find out more, visit them at theswoop.co.uk. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pints. My wife's cakes are selling at hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavour with Alan Alder and me, Matt Bentman. Sue Bailey is away on holiday at the moment, but uh, she will be back with us next month. And today we look at how inflation and the drought are affecting local food and drink businesses in Cambridge and how they see the future. We'll also look at how local people can reduce their food and energy bills by choosing less fashionable veg and cuts of meat. Local chef Rosie Sykes has some ideas of how to make the best of the unfashionable veg. And we'll be finding out from the Cambridge Food Bank how the increase in food and energy prices is affecting the people they're helping. And as usual, we'll have news of free food, local food and drink news, and at the end of the programme, our jobs roundup. We'll begin with a trip to Calverley's Brewery and Tap Room in Hooper Street, where Sam Calverley summed up the situation facing businesses. It's very bizarre times for trading at the moment. I think it's affecting a lot of people in a different kind of rate. Some businesses may have hedged their energy, as, as a lot of the time you, you do with commercial energy contracts. So, so you may be in quite a decent contract for the next few years. Others have come into horrendous contracts, which are just taking away any sort of owner salary, massively eating into any profits. So. Businesses are, at the moment, if nothing changes, they will be hit massively over winter. But I honestly, I, I can't believe nothing will be done. Changing sort of leader of the country, whoever that ends up being, I just can't see that they would let something which I believe is at least temporary destroy a load of businesses. In the long run, you know, the country should be independent for power as possible. We should embrace green energy especially with prices as they are. Green energy for your own business or home has a lot quicker payback. If, if something is done in the short term, we need something in the long run to make sure that we're not at the mercy of oil and gas prices. Mm. How about your customers? It's going to hit, I suppose, lower earners at a higher proportion and they're going to end up with less disposable income, which is worrying. <laughs> I guess for us, though, you still want to go and socialise with your friends. I mean, some, some of the more ex extravagant things might be the first to go, but having a pint or two with a friend as a treat on a Friday, Saturday, it's not hugely expensive. I mean, if some of our trade customers slow up, we can look for more trade customers, and that's, I think, what a lot of breweries have done. We're not back into a, a normal routine yet. It used to be business was a lot more predictable pre-COVID, but I'm, I'm sure it will sort of settle down... I think the country needs some sort of plan with regards to this energy cost crisis. Anything like that shakes consumer confidence. You guys are very green, aren't you, in your practices? Does that mean things haven't hit you as hard as they could have? 
I would certainly agree with a few things. For example, the fact we don't have a van and we deliver on bike has meant that we're not paying the high fuel prices, for example. And I think a lot of breweries that deliver on a wider radius are suddenly that in itself is quite a big issue. Keeping it sort of local is a good way to, I guess, reduce the energy required to to get a beer out from the brewery to, to the drinker, basically. We've got a log burner in our tap room, so in the winter we, we'll be heating the place with the wood. Mm. I know last winter it, we didn't actually, with a combination of the log burner as, as pretty much the main heat source, we didn't use a lot of gas. And once you've got people in there, it heats up when you've got That's true. 55, yeah. 60 people in there. We have to think about where else are we going to get our energy and, and ways to reduce it. Otherwise, there's not going to be the businesses to collect tax um, for the government. It's just a shame to have supported businesses up to this point and then find them not trading anymore yeah. because of energy costs. Well, I was, I was reading today that 75% of pubs don't think they'll make it through the winter. You've still got to be very focused. For us, is, is focused on making interesting, tasty beers served in a nice, friendly tap room. People will still want to come out yeah. and uh, enjoy themselves. And hopefully with the bank holiday weekend, it'll uh, get nice and lively. I think it will. And that was Sam Calverley of Calverley's Brewery. Uh, that prediction of 75% of pubs not making it through winter is pretty devastating. But let's hope, as Sam says, that the government manages to find a way of supporting businesses or at least the ones that pay all their taxes in Britain. One major pub chain is owned by a company that's registered for tax in the Cayman Islands. But how should businesses adapt? Here's Scott Holden of Scott's All Day in Mill Road with his plan. Hi there, I am Scott from Scott's All Day. We are a neighbourhood restaurant. After Covid, this is the first summer people have been able to go on holiday. That has been affecting us most, I think. We are quite affected by the seasons, really. When families are not here, then we feel the pinch a little bit more than any other time. So our busiest time, I would say, is winter. And we have found a little bit of a pattern with that. But it has been quite an eye-opener for us to understand how that affects business, really. This summer in particular, we're facing rising interest rates, inflation rates, energy bills going through the roof. I'm sure that's affecting you as well as your customers. Do you find that people are, do they have less cash in their pockets? Are they they picking alternative things from your menu? I haven't noticed that. I myself have definitely felt that pinch. What I've heard from a lot of other businesses as well is that we're a little bit nervous, obviously, about what's going to happen when those first big energy bills start coming out and what effects that will have on people's monthly spending budget. We're talking literally a week or two away now, aren't we, from those increases? Yeah, it's going to be a big, big change, and I guess we're just going to have to see what happens and hopefully adapt. One of the things that we are going to do is put on a set menu so people can have three courses and not have to get a massive bill at the end. That's a good idea. Uh, One of the things that happened during the last recession was the Kingston Arms, which is right where we are. The recession menu. The recession menu, yeah, that was a good idea. And they ran that for many years, didn't they? They, That was still going until when they closed, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what a beautiful menu that was. I think you could get a bolognese for £5. Good, yeah. <laughs> Everything was a fiver, wasn't yeah. it? 
thing of beauty, really. <laughs> so is this a little bit like your version of that? Similar. Unfortunately, it won't be £5, but we are going to try and make it as good value as possible. How do you feel right now? I feel pretty good, mainly because we are working on a new menu over here at Scott's, which is going to be launching in the middle of next month. So we are going more restaurant in our outlook. We're going to have a lot more starters on. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about the quality of dishes that are going to be coming on the menu. Is this your first business? It's my first owned restaurant, yes. I've managed a lot of other places and I've done marketing for other restaurants, but, yeah, it's the first restaurant that I've owned where, you know, it's my neck on the line. And I'm very lucky to have Tim and Alison from Fitzbillies as investors, which really, really helps because they've got such a good understanding of Cambridge. It's a good team. It's not just energy prices that are affecting people, though. The cost of many foods is going up very rapidly. I spoke with Chris from Cambridge's Daily Market. Chris, what's happening to the price of fruit and vegetables at the moment? Well, the prices are going up along with many other things, and the dry weather has uh, caused many shortages, especially in green vegetables. Broccoli, cauliflowers... Um, any green leaves are really struggling in the heat and um, many have been just died and um, can't be harvested. Right, so that's not good. So prices are going up, you know, what sort of amount from wholesalers? Things like cauliflowers are probably doubled in price, what we've uh, usually, and uh, green broccoli. Uh, runner beans are virtually non-existent. Usually you love young, tender runner beans and they're almost old as they're born on the, on the vine. They're so dry. Well, that's terrible. The, the drought has an impact on the size of fruit then, and vegetables. Yes, um, in uh, one Lincolnshire farm that I know of um, that has contracted to supermarkets, the supermarkets reject the cauliflowers because they're too small, not up to their, their size guide, and 60 acres of cauliflowers were ploughed back into the land, which is a shocking waste. That is, that is incredible, and the, the value of 60 acres of cauliflower. It would must be, be considerable. It, it would be immense, yeah, and these could be put to good use, but because supermarkets have size guides and um, rules and regulations about how they should be, they rejected them, so the farmer has to take the loss. And it's based on appearance? It's based on appearance Not and size. On flavor, and because it's so dry, they didn't make their normal size. And does that affect any, any others, or is it just cauliflower? I know it will affect broccoli as well green broccoli and things like that yeah they all have their minimum size guides and if it doesn't meet it they reject them right and that doesn't apply to the wholesale markets that it you... doesn't apply to the wholesale markets no and we'd be happy to take them but uh, sadly we can't get hold of them yeah because they're under contract and they are under contract yeah. to, to a supermarket which will remain nameless and <laughs> um, what, what does the future hold uh, well, you know, like when I say the future, I mean winter. I, don't know I mean, you know, things that should be growing now for harvesting in October, November, December are struggling. They're just being um, being planted in dust almost in the, in the summer, and, and without constant irrigation, which farmers are struggling with because some uh, water authorities have cut back on that the amount of water they can take. So um, there could be a a double whammy coming in the winter, even higher prices for things you normally pay very little for. Right. What about imported food? Is there, is there any hope in, in imported fruit and veg, or is that suffering as well? There is hope for it if they can irrigate it. I mean, Spain, which we get a lot of um, green veg from in the early winter, they've had 40-degree temperatures as well. But um, they will, it will be coming in, but it, again, high prices. Because of the import? Uh, because of the import, and uh, I'm sure their, their yields are down as well. Right, OK. And are there any vegetables that 
for people who are struggling, are, are, represent good value, would you say? Um, some of the forgotten vegetables like swedes and carrots are going to be available. Um, and uh, swedes are probably a bit out of fashion and you could uh, make something of those. But they're largely overlooked, some of the root crops. Yeah, right. I didn't know carrots were out of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> probably not, but uh, we like our Chantonet carrots or very specialised artisan carrots now. <laughs> Let's go back to the good old uh, Fen carrot, shall we? And yes. Maybe that offer us uh, save out salvation. <laughs> 60 acres of cauliflowers ploughed back in because they didn't make the supermarket's size guide. That's extraordinary. Well, <laughs> I know. I was absolutely shocked. I asked Simon on the Sunday market about it. And, and I said, you know, how many cauliflowers is that going to be? Mm. And he said, well, actually, you grow 15,000 cauliflowers per acre. So 60 acres is 900,000 cauliflowers. I mean, close to a million cauliflowers. Mm. So the waste is, is shocking. But actually, Simon also said that... Normally, if you're in a position of having your cauliflowers rejected by supermarkets because of their size, you'd send them to somebody else who knew this, who cut them into florets. So, you know, people who go and buy a little box of florets in a supermarket, it's come from cauliflowers that have been rejected often because of size. So Simon was slightly surprised that they had to be ploughed back in. But it could be that these cauliflowers were just too small or maybe because so many cauliflowers are too small at the moment, there's a glut of florets. Yes, yeah, the, the lack of irrigation, like he kept saying, and they're just not growing enough. Yeah. Well, you mentioned supermarkets, and little supermarkets this week said that they were going to start selling stunted fruit and veg in their stores. I suppose the reason supermarkets haven't been selling that much small fruit and veg is because their customers don't want them. Yes, yes, hmm. must be. But maybe that's going to have to change. A little later in the programme, local chef Rosie Sykes will be along with some recipes for the Swedes, what Chris called a forgotten vegetable. Mm. But first, here's Rosie with some ideas for carrots. And after that, we'll have free food, some news, and then we'll be hearing from Jay Scrimshaw at Finboys about why buying cheap fish is a problem. Carrots? I mean, you can eat them raw, which the only energy you need then is um, yourself to grate them or chop them or whatever. They make a wonderful uh, addition to a salad or on their own grated. I often do grated carrot just with some pumpkin seeds and some raisins and some, if you have any nut oil, nut oil um, and a bit of orange juice, maybe a bit of red wine vinegar, and you've got yourself a lovely salad. But again, uh, you can add them to a green salad. They make a fantastic slaw with some cabbage and spring onions I think adding the crunch of a nut or a seed, seeds, you know, are so good for you as well. I mean, carrots are lovely and sweet anyway, but you could always add um, a little bit of soft fruit of some, dried fruit of some kind too. Otherwise, carrots are wonderful roasted. I love to toss them in a bit of harissa or some smoked paprika, a tiny bit of olive oil. They don't need that long. Cut them into sort of quite thin batons and you're not going to need them in the um, oven for that long or under a grill. So flash them under a grill. You can do the same, steam them or microwave them a little bit first. The flavours that go with them are similar to sweet, but they are a lot sweeter. So you don't really need to add sweet things. Carrot and orange is a classic. Carrot and coriander. But yeah, I would say use them as salad fodder. They're great. 
and of course, carrot makes a fantastic cake, which is a nice <laughs> thing to do. But I make a really easy one where you don't even grate them. You just put them in your food processor with the eggs and the sugar and, and you whiz them and they sort of turn into confetti. So it makes a slightly different cake, but it really is lovely. It's such a lovely cake. I think there's, you know, I think there's a need for a cookbook, which is an energy saving book cookbook. Yeah. And I know you can find things in other books, like, for example, Claire Phipps' pressure cooking book. Yeah. Yeah. But also her book on citrus, where the citrus like cooks the fish, you know. Yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, I think obviously where people are worried about the cost of energy, a book like that would appeal to them. But also, you know, people who, like many of us, are very concerned about the environmental impact of using energy yeah. would find a book like that uh, Absolutely. very no, useful. I agree. I agree. And I, and I really, you know, this residual heat thing is, yes. is, is really a big thing, actually. Well, that was good to hear, wasn't it? Um, carrots, they're our natural sweetener. They're not actually natural to the UK, but that's what we used to use before sugar was imported, apparently. That's where the carrot cake comes from. It's one of the first things I ever learned, <laughs> joining flavour. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, when I made it, I think I made a carrot cake for the programme, something like that. But And carrots were originally purple, weren't they? They're, they're from... Oh, the, the sort of the old varieties yeah. are purple, aren't they? Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Well, this is uh, particularly timely, isn't it? Free food. Details of free food available in and around Cambridge right now. And the information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app. And that exists so that people's or businesses' surplus food doesn't go to waste. Yeah, Olio started seven years ago. It's a great way to get free food ever since, uh, though it all does rely on people using it. So the more people that get involved, the more variety and opportunity for us all. So taking a quick look at Olio today shows us that Sophia on the Romsey side of Mill Road has some green icing to give away. Harriet, who lives near Cherry Hinton Hall, has lots of homegrown apples and pears. She's going to pick these every day and leave them in a box by her doorstep so that anyone can come along and take what they need. You just need to message her for her address. Uh, Nat, who lives close to Kettle's Yard, has plenty of organic green beans to give away. Just make sure to bring a bag with you as she needs to keep the box that they're in. And to prove that this is not all just for humans, Charlotte on Newmarket Road, she has two pots of posh cat food going spare. (laughs) I say it's posh, it's because it's in those square foil packs that Mr. Dog and Caesar used to be packaged in. Uh, Dan, near Jesus Green, has some hops, including Cascade, Citra, Equinot and Sars varieties. I hope I pronounced them correctly. They're all sitting in his freezer at the moment, waiting for somebody to claim them. And finally, and because I thought this was funny, somebody called Kez, who lives near Birdwood Road, and I can see what you did there, Kez, has some crushed ice to give away. Maybe it's already gone. Anyway, that's just a few of the things that I found skimming through the Olio app. And uh, the other free app that we often talk about, Too Good To Go, is still available as well. And that has unsold food from restaurants and shops, often at less than half price. And rather than specifying each leftover, the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag, ready for you to take home instead of the shop or restaurant owner putting it in the bin at the end of the day. Yeah, and we should also mention here Cambridge Community Kitchen. 
They will be providing two hot meals for you a week on request. This is on Thursdays and Sundays. And they can be collected from the Lock-On, which is 11 to 12 Fair Street near the Grafton Centre, or they can be delivered to the CB1 to CB5 area. Cambridge Community Kitchen are on Twitter at Cam Community, and you can place your request there. So let's move on to our first news break now and starting with a couple of teasers since these stories are either subject to completion of contracts or final agreements. Yeah, look out for an announcement from the excellent Poudini who are based in William about their opening up in Cambridge. They're looking for staff too, so take a listen to our job section at the end. Also, at the end of September, several of Cambridge's top chefs are getting together at a central Cambridge location to put on a meal which they will each do one course and it will be a fantastic night. Look out for details. Parker's Tavern in Regent Street is now open outside for drinks and nibbles. The venture is called PT Tapas and you don't need to book, you can just turn up and sit down. Liz Young of The Modern Table is hosting a pop-up brunch on the top floors of Steak and Honours Place in Wheeler Street. There will be homemade granola, blintzes, bostock with summer berries, a special soft-boiled egg and sweet treats. Coffee will be from Brew Project. It's £35 per person and also available at an extra cost will be Bloody Marys and Mimosas. On the 8th of September, there's a four-course meal with wine and chocolates at the Royal Oak in Barrington. The wines are from the Languedoc-Roussillon region, and local wine expert Stuart Travers will be on hand to guide you through. It's at 6.30 for a 7 o'clock start. Pine Shop in Wheeler Street has its last 10% off restaurant bills on Wednesdays this coming Wednesday, the 31st of August. To get your reduction, quote the code WO8PS10 before you pay. CoFarm, the community farm just out past the big Sainsbury's on Coldham's Lane, is looking for volunteers to do watering, weeding or planting. There are sessions on Tuesday evenings, Thursday afternoons and Sunday afternoons. You can sign up via the volunteer tab on the CoFarm website. Six Inches of Soil has blogs from Regenerative Farms on its website and one of them features Adrienne Gordon from Sweet Pea Market Garden. If you listen to it, you can get to know more about what she's doing and what led her to do it. Some summer closures to tell you about now. A Modigliani, the coffee, sandwich and cake cafe in Mill Road, is closed until the 7th of September. And Maison Clement Bakery is closed until the 31st of August. Uh, that's at both its Hills Road and its Derby Street branches. Cambridge Wine Merchants has a tasting of, of Argentinian wines on the 14th of September at the Cherry Hinton Road branch, presented by Solano from Hisper Merchants. The cost is £35 per person, and to book, email cherry at cambridgewine.com and include a contact number. And on the 21st of September, there is a Bordeaux dinner at the Senate in St Mary's Passage. It's at 6.30pm for a 7pm start. Now, this is a three-course meal with a glass of fizz, two whites, two reds and a dessert wine. The cost is £80 per person. And to book, you can email kings at cambridgewine.com and include a contact number and any dietary requirements or allergies. And on the 27th of September, Cambridge Wine Merchants have a tasting of English sparkling wine at 7pm. And that's at the Cherry Hinton Road branch and is £35 per person. And that's the final piece of news for now. More later in the programme. OK. 
Now, as part of our look at how inflation is affecting prices, Alan spoke to Jay Scrimshaw of Finn Boys on Mill Road and asked him about the price of fish. Jay, I know it's a sort of seasonal thing, but what's happening to the price of fish? Is, is, there, a, is there a trend? There's a trend in everything's gone up, everything's more expensive. Things went up when the restaurants reopened after COVID. And then now with the, the fishing industry relies heavily on, on diesel um, for the, the boats, uh, for the, the vans to ship it to us. So, yeah, there has been a huge increase. in Right, so that's not likely to go away quickly. I think it's here to stay. Is it changing people's behaviour when they come to your restaurant? Do they eat less fish? They don't eat less fish. Bookings are still strong, um, but we've definitely noticed the decline in alcohol sales. You know, so they're they're definitely coming out for dinner, but they might not have, you know, might have a glass of wine rather than a bottle of wine. So that keeps the cost low. Um, that's what we've noticed um, over the last sort of month or so. And what about cheaper fish? Are, are, are there any cheaper fish? Are, are people sort of moving away from exotic fish to? locally caught fish say well locally caught fish doesn't mean it's cheaper the only way you would get fish that was cheap if there was uh, an influx of certain species at the market so everyone's caught a certain fish then the price would come down what we do we only deal with like handline they're targeted fish so there's they're never really gonna the price isn't gonna fluctuate that if that much if Grimsby the sort of east coast they sort of tend to deal with more the sort of floating factories of sort of a processed sort of fish which sort of hoover everything up out of the sea so you know if you wanted to buy cheap fish there's definitely a cheap fish market but right but there's an environmental cost but there's an environmental cost and it's ethical do you want to go down there you know yeah it's there's, there's always a cheaper option yeah but, but not, it's not something a, that we, we're going to do not always a better option no. <laughs> okay no. Thanks very much, Jay. Right, Thanks. No Sounded a bit like we were under attack from birds, that, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> uh, that was just down the side of Finboys we recorded that. But it's interesting that people are cutting back on alcohol and not fish. Who, <laughs> who would have guessed it? <laughs> but what Jay says about cheap fish not being ethically caught does make you wonder... This, this is yet another concern. Does make you wonder about how well environmentally safe approaches will survive all of this turmoil. Yeah, well, Sam Calverley spoke earlier about using wood rather than fossil fuels to heat their tap room. So that's an example of a better practice, I suppose. <laughs> Some good news. <laughs> And on the subject of cutting back, I stopped by Mill Road Butchers to ask manager Charlie Wicks on whether his customers are feeling the pinch. I wouldn't necessarily say too many people are going for a cheaper product as such. You know, they still want quality over the price of things, but they are being a lot more selective with what they buy, I feel. Quite a bit has slowed down in some aspects, whereas some of the less used cuts that are a bit cheaper have been used a bit more. But people still want your free-range chicken. They don't want to substitute for a lesser quality. They're just not going to do it on that weekly basis like they would normally do. So some of our customers would come in and buy a chicken every single Saturday for a Sunday roast. That's now died down a little bit, and that's just probably once every two weeks or once a month. And people are just changing their habits to counteract this because although energy prices have gone up and the fuel prices are going up, so is the price of meat. 
everyone is feeling that pinch at the minute and I feel like there's no real help to support all of these increases. I feel like a lot of people are just a bit afraid of the future as such. There's no certainty, nobody knows what's gonna happen in the next three months apart from energy bills are going up again. I feel like people are just very choosing about what they're buying at the minute, a bit more selective on how much they're gonna spend on a weekly shop as opposed to what they would normally buy for a weekly shop. People doing barbecues for six to seven people, they're buying considerably less than what they would have brought last year, for example. I feel like it's a bit hard to tell some of the bits at the minute because of the summer holidays, everybody's still traveling and going away because this is the first year we're able to do that. So we're in a bit of a weird stage of trading at the minute. It's gonna be very interesting over the next few months to see what the build up to Christmas is gonna be because that's when it's gonna be scary for a lot of people is, you know, there's, there's not just food that they've got to buy, they've got to buy presents for the children, we've got to buy all of the decorations, everything that goes along with it, and everything is going up in price. There doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel, shall we say, where there's gonna be a price drop, which until that happens, I feel like people are just gonna be very selective on what they buy. We can't really argue against it. We're suggesting to people to be selective on what you buy, buy what you need to buy rather than buying what you want to buy. That was Charlie Wicks of Mill Road Butchers, and before we recorded that, he had a customer in front of me who was picking cheaper cuts. You know, I know that I've cut right back on meats, and I have done for a long while now, and I've also been timing going to certain shops to catch the bargains. You know, it's lucky that we've got such places, and options like Olio and Too Good To Go as well. Yes, it is. Mm. And on that note, we're going to take a short break and be back in two minutes to find out how the Cambridge Food Bank is faring. Is demand starting to increase? Have they enough food? What will happen over winter? Also, Rosie Sykes will be back for some ideas for Swede and for energy saving in the kitchen. And we've our job section too, so don't go away. Cambridge 105 Radio. Three great institutions celebrated this Sunday here on Cambridge 105 Radio. St Paul's Church in Hills Road gets a new vicar next Thursday, the Reverend Imogen Ney, who joins me, Tony Barnfield. And we hear from the team behind a television classic as University Challenge hits a big birthday, 60 years since it began. And Cambridge alumna Ruth Mariner on an unusual event she is directing at the Royal Albert Hall. All that and more with me, Tony Barnfield, this Sunday at 2. Are you suffering from buffering? Find yourself screaming, not streaming? Or do you just lag behind? Then it's time to demand better broadband. City Fibre is building a brand new full fibre network across the UK, giving you access to broadband from a range of providers that's more reliable and up to 20 times faster than average. So you can stream, game and video call without interruption. Get connected to full fibre today. Choose your provider at cityfibre.com slash Cambridge 105. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Lawrence, Director of CKLG, responsible for business services. We understand that running a successful business brings many challenges. Our experienced business services team provide a bespoke service and offer professional advice at every stage of your business journey, allowing you the freedom to focus more on what you do best. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk cklg accountants your partner in business your partner in life cambridge 
105 Radio with The Swoop, Cambridge's exciting new retail taproom. Experience local on Green Street. To find out more, visit them at theswoop.co.uk. Welcome back to Flavour. Earlier in the week, Alan visited Cambridge's Food Bank's warehouse. And amongst the sounds of food being quietly removed for sending out to their distribution centres, he asked operations manager Heather Yeadon if they were noticing an increase in the numbers of people needing help. Yeah, it's definitely our most busy year we've ever had. If it carries on like this and no doubt it will and probably get worse as the winter months come. We'll probably will have helped around 12,000 people during this year. And that's just in Cambridge? Yeah, that's our Cambridge City food bank. So we have eight different centres. Um, so most of them are in the city, one's in Campbell and one's in Northstow. Energy costs, of course, are also going up with, with much worse to come. And that means that some people are going to find it's a struggle to actually cook their food. So does that make a difference to what sort of food people can, can accept? We do do some things, so we do do fuel vouchers as well. So that's one way we sort of try and help with, help with that. In the normal, uh, like, parcel of food, there's some, you know, there's a mixture of things, some which you wouldn't need to cook. Um, most of it you do need to cook, to be honest. We do offer some some things for people that are homeless or in temporary accommodation where they don't have cooking facilities. But yeah, certainly there's lots of people that are sort of having to choose between, you know, he- heating their home or or buying food, and you know that there's definitely. Uh, we're definitely aware of that being a major issue that yeah. people are struggling with energy prime. As winter comes on, the situation presumably can only get worse. So are you having to find new sources of food or are you likely to be getting enough in or, or what? Um, yeah, we are a little worried about having enough food to meet the demand. We're now using some of our some money that we have to buy food, um, which, we've, which we haven't done a lot of before. But yeah, definitely we are trying to think of ways we can make sure we've got enough food in as well as enough volunteers to sort all the food, get it to the centres, um, which is a massive job. Are, are you aware at all of any sort of widening in your, I don't know what you'd call it, your, your customer base? Are more people coming in who maybe are employed in what would have once seemed quite adequate salaries? Yeah, I think, yeah, there are more people that employed or, or sort of a combination of employed as well as maybe claiming some benefits where they used to be able to manage on the income they had and now with, with the cost of living going up, they're now not being able to manage. And we are seeing quite a lot of new people um, coming to the food bank that, that wouldn't have previously accessed. Do your volunteers get emotional about this or is it something they've become just too familiar with I think there are definitely um, situations uh, where people like have like a a strong feeling like they really want to try and help someone and they know that all all we can do with all they can do within their role is you know provide them the food and a listening ear you know a cup of tea and everything Um, and you know they might have some ideas about you know another 
grant they could access or um, someone else, you know, a different support service they could be in contact with. So obviously volunteers feel like, you know, you just want to, you know, pick them up and like, you know, take them home, provide them food, like do, you know, sort out so much more that often people need so much more support than we, we, you know, than what we're there to give. Um, what, what sort of financial or emotional? Or? Um, so, like, definitely financial, but also, yeah, like, emotional and, you know, often people don't have much, like, they might not have a great support network around them. They might struggle with, you know, the systems that are there, like, you know, the benefit system or, uh, you know, accessing, um, like, have got themselves in debt but really feel totally overwhelmed and under under um skilled to to deal with getting out of it and working out a new budgeting strategy and stuff and it's you know for a lot of people that's just way beyond where they are right um, so your volunteers don't just dish out food they dish out they're almost a citizen's advice bureau or a, a social worker yeah definitely a lot more than food happens it's a lot of being a listening ear and we do have you know people that we see fairly regularly that the volunteers you know a bit of their support network definitely a lot more work to support people is done than just providing food and how are you doing for volunteers have you got enough or do you always need more um, we don't always need more, but at the moment we do. Right, so how can people Basically, apply? if you go through our website, which if you just Google Cambridge City Food Bank, you'd find our website very easily. And on there, there is like a Help Us page, and that, that's got the volunteer opportunities and who to email and everything to find out more about that. Right, and it's also got what food you would like donated presumably and yes. it used to have. Yep, yeah. yeah, so on the Help Us or something like that tab, yeah, there's like a list of things that we need at the moment at the moment we really need everything but but that like we update that every month with sort of specific things that we're like we're we're low on so and and it's not fresh food not you don't do fresh fruit and vegetables do you we do do fresh fruit and vegetables we the main parcel they get is all non-perishable then we offer fresh fruit and vegetables at all the city centre distribution centres. We offer fruit, fresh fruit and vegetables as well, so people can come, can come and choose some of that as well. Right, and is that donated by members of the public? I don't know that members of the public are aware. No, no, no. Um, so we buy that in with people's donations, really because it sort of helps us to manage it, because we don't. it's quite tricky uh, managing fresh food Um, so it makes it a bit easier for us um, to buy that in with people's donations Um, and we do bread and cheese as well bread cheese and a bit of fruit and vegetables so people can help themselves to that stuff and we do some other things like toiletries nappies and um, yeah other things sanitary products in general yeah yeah yeah. right well thank you very much Heather thank you thanks and just just a reminder that if you go onto the Cambridge Food Bank website, you'll find details of the volunteer jobs they have available, as well as which foods they particularly need. And actually, while I was there, I did also say to Heather about the collection bins, I suppose that's the right word, that a lot of supermarkets have, mm. where, you know, you do your weekly shop, but you buy a bit extra and you put it in the, the bin for, for food banks. And I asked her if, the, if that was an important sort of source of food, and she said it was a really important source because, because it's regular. They can rely on it, and that's what organisations need. You yeah. know, they need to know how to plan, I suppose. 
It's always occurred to me that supermarkets do very well out of this because people buy for themselves, but while they're in, they'll buy a bit extra for the food bank. And she said, yes, obviously they do. She said, but certainly one supermarket, Tesco, not only passes the food on that people have put in the bin, but they recognise that they've made excess profits from that, and so they give the food bank a share of those profits. And I must say that, you know, we speak badly of supermarkets quite a lot on flavour and I speak badly of them even more in real life but uh, I must say that is nice that's that's nice to hear yeah yeah so there's our well, familiar music, signalling time for news from social media. So I guess we begin with Twitter. Oh, well, we do, yes. Biscotti de Deborah has tweeted this very morning to say that you can buy gift vouchers from her, which I hadn't realised. So a great present for the cake lovers in your life. Bacchanalia has been on to say that they've taken delivery of a really big range of ciders, a nice summer's drink, I think. And Gourmandise has an eclair and profiterole workshop coming up on the 18th of September. That's in Cottenham and lunch will be provided and you can book via Instagram or Gourmandise's website for that, I imagine. <laughs> Now, earlier in the programme, Chris from Cambridge's Daily Market said that although fruit and veg prices are going up rapidly, those that are unfashionable are still relatively cheap. And one such unfashionable is the Swede. So Alan contacted Rosie Sykes, who is holidaying in France, for some ideas for Swedes. A Swede is, I think, a much maligned vegetable, poor old thing, you know, in lots of countries. For example, here in France and in Italy, they would say... Uh, we just keep it for the sheep. But it's a really delicious vegetable and its proper name is Swedish turnip. So it it is but quite similar to a turnip, although it is in the brassica family. There is a yellow borscht, which is made in, in countries like Ukraine, which the basis of which is Swede. It's quite a hard, solid root. So it does need quite a bit of cooking. I have Two suggestions. I'm a big proponent of trying to use the heating up time of an oven when you're cooking something else and also the cooling down time because that is sort of redundant energy otherwise. So I often put things in and what I might do with a swede, for example, is cut it into quarters or sixths, depending on the size of the swede. Skin it if you like, but you could skin it afterwards. Rub it with a little bit of oil and salt and pepper and perhaps wrap each individual piece in some foil and just bake it while the oven's heating up, even when you're cooking something else. And then you don't want to don't cook it too much. You want to cook it till it's just got a little bit of give in it. And then what I would do is store it in the fridge in a Tupperware box and you can do all sorts of things with it from there. So Swede works really nicely with spices like cumin and cinnamon and nutmeg because it's got it's got a little bit of an edge it's hard to explain but it's got that sort of nutmeggy edge to it so mace and nutmeg are lovely with it um after after you've baked it you've got it in a state in your uh, in your fridge where it doesn't need a huge amount of cooking so for example you could toss it in um some cinnamon nutmeg allspice cumin seeds 
tiny bit of brown sugar or honey. And then it would just need a, a brief fry in some oil. Or if you've got your oven on anyway, because you're, say, roasting a chicken or something else for your, for your supper, just throw a bit of that in with some oil in a pan and just wait for it to get it. will get a nice sort of little crust on it. And the sweetness of a tiny bit of honey will make it absolutely delicious. And then you could stir it through couscous. Nice couscous is great because you just need to boil the kettle for couscous. Um, and again, lo- and put some fresh herbs through there, perhaps some chives, spring onions, coriander, mint. And also it's a lovely thing if you are um, instead of or as well as your roast potatoes, why not roast some Swede? Lovely with the dusting of Parmesan and some thyme or some sage. Um, but again, very simple to do once you've got it in this state in your in your fridge where it's par cooked. It will keep for quite a long time. It's also lovely mashed. Um, and if you're going to mash it, I would suggest that you peel it and cut it into quite small pieces because you want it to cook as quickly as possible in order to to use the energy less energy but in fact what i would do if it's in small pieces is steam it or you could even microwave it but you want it to be really really soft better to steam than boil in water because boiling in water is going to take on quite a lot of the water but it's lovely mashed and then you could and you could do sweet and carrot together mash them and make your classic clap shot which again has a bit of nutmeg in that's the name of mashed carrot and swede and again you could add some spring onions to that or a little bit of if you've got some leftover greens that you'd cook for another meal or some baby spinach or some soft leaves you could stir them through and almost make like a cold cannon type thing and again I think it's really nice maybe either with some if you've got a leftover potato or a tin of uh, white beans or butter beans mash them up add the swede and carrot mash to it you could make like little sort of cakes with some cheese in them. Lancashire cheese is really lovely with um, Swede. So some of that, maybe a bit of cooked onion if you've got some. Again, I often cook onions in the residual heat in the in the oven and keep them in in the fridge. And then they're sort of softened, lovely melted onions that you can add to loads of things. And, and that will sweeten up the Swede mixture a bit. One thing that I always do, we have, we just recently at Cambridge Sustainable Food had a glut of Swede and we made some Swede piccalilli, which is a longer process. And it, I think if you looked it up online, you'd find some good recipes. It's a bit of a process, but then you'd have a big old jar of it and it's lovely in a, in a cheese sandwich or with some cold meat. You know, it's a great way to store Swede. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about Swede. Okay, many thanks to Rosie Sykes there. Let's move on to more news, and we're going to start with Corinne Paillet of Gourmandise. She's hosting a five-course feast, which is a taste of Reunion Island. Now, that's off the African coast, next to Madagascar, and it's on the 24th of September. You can book via the Gourmandise Instagram account. And Kidston Fest is a free event that's taking place in the garden at Histon Smokehouse tomorrow. That's Sunday, by the way. Adults can book a brunch, which is on offer all day, while their children are taking part in an adult-run workshop. So, if you're interested in that, you can call Cambridge 491-174 to book, or go to the Histon Smokehouse website. If you fancy a food-related day out... 
A train ride from Cambridge to the Food Museum in Stowmarket on the 17th of September will enable you to hear a conversation between free food expert Richard Maybe, author of Food for Free, and fungal expert John Wright. They'll be talking about all things hedgerow and their latest projects, and that lasts from 2.30 to 4.15, and John Wright has a foraging walk in the grounds of the museum, which are pretty extensive, on the 17th of September as well, and that's from 11.30 till 12.30. And Heathfruit Farm in Bluntisham currently has Victoria Plums, Green Gages, Count Alphan Gages, Bramley and Laxton's Fortune Apples, and Burr Hardy Pears. The plums and gages are £2.50 per punnet, and four punnets are £8. They're on sale at Ely Market today, Saturday, and in their farm shop and on the kiosk outside the farm. On Friday, Cambridge Sustainable Foods sent a plea about the cost of living crisis to Daniel Zeichner, the MP, and the Shadow Minister for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. The plea also marks the launch of their fundraising campaign. They're raising funds for Cambridge Sustainable Food and the Cambridge Food Poverty Alliance members ahead of a hard winter. Funds will be distributed across Alliance members and used to buy ingredients and slow cookers for local residents in need. And this fundraising is supported by Cambridge City Council as well. Now, MJP at the Shepherds, a celebrity chef Mark Poynton's restaurant at the Shepherds in Fenditton. They're reopening on the 1st of September with a new September lunch menu. This will be running every Thursday to Saturday throughout the month. It's three courses with a glass of house wine for £27. Items from the lunch menu include things like English asparagus veluti, goat's cheese and egg yolk, and tandoori roasted cauliflower with cumin and more. And you can book a table online by going to mjprestaurant.com. And we'd also like to mention Mark's book, It's Just Food. That's the title. It's available to buy. And if you buy it from them directly, you can have it signed with a personal message from Mark or either have it delivered or collect it when you turn up for one of their lunches. You can book your order for the book with a personal message by email to info at mjprestaurants.com and make sure your subject title is It's Just Book Order. The Flourish Farm, based at Hildesham, has new produce boxes available for pickup on Friday the 2nd and Saturday the 3rd of September. Each box costs £18 and contains 10 different varieties of seasonal vegetable grown in their fields. This month it's likely to include courgettes, tomatoes, onions, aubergines, kale and loads more. All items are picked at their peak and not before, and they even have edible flowers. You just need to make sure your order is placed by 5pm on the 31st of August on their website. That is flourishproduce.co.uk. Additionally, they're going to be opening their farm shop in the next month or so. Jolly good news. Very good news. And some advance notice, there is a Cayley in Fullbourne at the Townley Memorial Hall. So this is drinks and a barbecue, along with the dancing, to celebrate the end of summer. It starts at 6.30 on the 16th of September. Tickets are £10 each and they're available from fullbornarts.org. And that's all our news for today. And now a final word on energy saving. Uh, While I was talking to Rosie Sykes, she mentioned how we can use our ovens more efficiently. You know, a lot of people walk in the door, turn on the oven go and do a load of other stuff and then put their dinner in. Whereas what you can do is turn the oven on, you know, have a few onions, throw them in, throw in a head of garlic, 
whatever, and you, you, you've got a sort of stash of stuff that's really useful for you that has, has used energy that was otherwise being wasted. And I do that if I've got to toast nuts or seeds or anything, I always, and in my book, actually, the roasting pan suppers, I say, you know, toast these in the, while the oven's heating up, because it's a really good time to toast things like nuts so that you don't burn them. Because you know, if you put them in a hot oven, you're bound to forget about them. There's Green Onion signalling the start of our job section. And Podini, as we mentioned earlier in the programme, has full-time and part-time vacancies for a new venture starting next month in central Cambridge. So they are looking for a cafe supervisor, a barista and a general assistant. So you can send your CV to ben at podini.co.uk and the closing date is Monday the 29th of August. The Wine Rooms in Hills Road has part-time vacancies for front-of-house staff. For more information and to apply, email hello at thewineroomscambridge.com. There's a new place opening up in East Chesterton. It's called Serena's Desserts, named after the owner's daughter. They will be serving waffles with a variety of toppings, ice creams, milkshakes and smoothies with vegan options and they need staff. Specifically, they're looking for somebody to help with prep, serving, cleaning and making waffles. Full training will be given. The job is 35 hours a week, 11am to 8pm, five days, including Saturdays. Pay is £10 an hour. The Swan on Mill Road is looking for new recruits. If you fancy joining the team, just pop in to inquire. Parker's Tavern on Regent Street are looking for a chef to party. This is 42 and a half hours a week with monthly bonus and staff discounts. Annual pay is 31k. There's a pension scheme and free accommodation if you require it. Smokeworks is looking for a head chef. They describe the role as the perfect opportunity for a senior Sioux to take their first bash as head. Uh, it's full time with a salary between 32 to 35k, depending on experience. Mercado Central, the Spanish restaurant on Green Street, needs full and part time chefs. There are plenty of options for development, too. You will need a year's experience, and pay is between 11 and 12 pounds an hour. And finally, Aromi is looking for a couple of full time pizza chefs. Again, they'll need people with previous experience. There's a pension and staff discounts and pay is from £12.50 per hour. And that takes us to the end of our programme for today. Uh, don't forget that we are here on alternate Saturdays at 12 noon, repeated on Mondays at 6pm and Thursdays at 2pm. And we will, of course, be available via podcast early next week. Coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today at 1pm is the Gadget Guide and at 2pm, Sue Marchant's selection. But that's all from us. We'll be back on the 10th of September with lots more food and drink news, jobs and features. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye.